my, uh, my dad, when he was a kid, didn't go to church much. In fact, I'm not sure if he ever went, except I, the only reason why I know that my dad went at least once or twice was because at some point when he was a kid, he got one of those old King James Bibles with his name engraved on it. How many of you have ever got a Bible like that with your name engraved on it? I never did because I didn't go to church when I was growing up, all right? But my dad apparently did at least once. I'm not sure that he ever opened the Bible ever again after that until he became an adult, however. And that's where my brother and I come in. Because when my brother and I were in high school, uh, we accepted there was a revival going on in our community. And uh, it was happening in the youth. And my brother and I got saved during this revival, and my dad, who was not a Christian, began to watch us. He wanted to see whether this Christianity stuff was real. He wanted to know whether it was just some passing fancy of ours, you know? So he watched for a season, and after he became convinced that it wasn't just something that the boys were kind of into until they grew out of it, he decided to begin exploring it for himself. And he thought, what better way to explore this thing called Christianity than to pull out that old King James Bible that he had gotten when he was a kid? Well, can you imagine, if you've never read the Bible before, pulling out an old King James, can you imagine how that went? It didn't go well. He was, com- he, not only was he struggling with all the these and the thous, but the truth of the matter is, he couldn't make heads or tails out of any of it anyway. And this is how I knew. One day I came home from college, and um, he said, hey, when you get a chance, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, what's up? And he began to explain to me that he was starting to read the Bible and that he couldn't figure it out. He says, for example, he goes, I, you know, you start, when you open up a Bible, you're, you, any book, you're supposed to go to the table of contents and then you know what kind of get an idea. What, and he said, I know it's just one book, but it says there's 66 different books in here. What's that all about? Right? And, and I, I, could, I could commiserate with him because, remember, I hadn't been a Christian for very long either. The thing that I had that my dad did not have, however, was a mentor. And it was somebody that was kind of walking with me on the journey and um, discipling me. And my mentor had said to me, when I was struggling with the Bible, he had given me an analogy that went something like this. And I shared it with my dad. I said, Dad, reading the Bible, listen to this, this may help some of you. Reading the Bible sometimes can feel like watching a, uh, a circus parade by through a knothole in the fence. And my dad looked at me just like you just looked at me. <laughs> People look at me like that all the time, though, so it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> my dad, he says, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, think about it. It's like when you're looking at something through a knothole in the fence, you, you may know that something big is happening, but because of the perspective that you have, it's kind of hard to tell what that big thing is. Well, that's the way it is oftentimes when we read the Bible. Look, we read the Bible oftentimes as though we are watching a parade go by through a knothole in the fence, and we know something big is happening, but because of our perspective, we don't know what that something big is. So, this is what I want you all to know. In the next six weeks here at Prairie Bible, we are going to be watching the proverbial parade go by. But instead of looking at it through um, a knothole in the fence, we're going to try to give you a boost 
to look at this parade from a different perspective. And that parade that we want you to look at, it's just an analogy, obviously, but what we're really going to do these next six weeks as we, as we do this all-church study called Seamless is we're going to try to give you a boost so that you can look over the fence to get a different perspective on the Bible. Because my, this is what I've discovered. Even though I didn't grow up going to church, what I've discovered about all of you that did is that a good lot of you are intimidated by the Bible too. You went to Sunday school your whole life, or uh, your your uh, and it's just you think I I can't figure this out. So what you have done often is you've just set that Bible back on the end table and never opened it up again, just like my dad. So our hope in these next six weeks is to kind of demystify the Bible in one sense. We want to give you a perspective on it, so that um, when you look and you read, it doesn't just appear like you're watching a parade going by through a knothole in the fence. We want to give you a perspective that will at least help to make it make sense for you. So I'm going to start right now. So listen to what I'm about to say. If you don't listen to anything else the next six weeks, if you listen to this one um, thing that I have to say to you today, it will help you as you read the Bible. Every, you know, we do, I just mentioned a moment ago that there are 66 different books in the Bible. They were written over the course of thousands of years. But listen to me. The truth of the matter is every single word in this book, every single word is pointing towards one thing or one person. And that one thing or that one person is Jesus. See, if you start reading with that perspective, with that set of glasses on, and you start looking for Jesus everywhere you turn, you'll see him. And all of a sudden, those things that seemed so mystical and and so complicated aren't nearly as complicated as you thought. Okay? If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up today to um, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Now, for those of you that did not bring your own Bibles, you want to use one of these that we provide. It's on page 1053 in here. So open it up there. John chapter 1, we're going to be starting at verse 1. Um, first of all, as you, everybody got it? Let me know when you got it. Look up at me when you got it. And what I'm, about, what I'm going to do today is, get, some of you are going to be offended by the way I handled this today, and I apologize right up the front, right up front, because I don't want to offend you, but I don't want to presume things either, because remember I told you before, I didn't grow up going to church. So when I look at the Bible, I look at it from the eyes of somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about. And I presume that there may be somebody else out there like me. So listen to, so if this seems simplistic or, uh, fundamental to you, please forgive me, okay? But first of all, what is this thing called? Called the Bible. Remember that. Because we're going to be connecting some dots. There's something else it's called too. By what, what else is it called? The Word of God. Dot number two, so remember, okay? John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if you are a, 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 a non-church person, you read something like John chapter 1, verse 1, and you're thinking, see, that's why I don't get it! What does that mean? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was... What does that mean? I mean, to somebody who doesn't go to church, you folks are church folks, you get that probably, but somebody who doesn't go to church, they hear that and they go, I don't know what that means. Let's, let's take just a minute to get a different perspective, okay? Did you all know that this, this Bible, the Word of God, for the most part, there's, there's, for the most part it was written in two original languages. Old Testament was written in Hebrew, New Testament was written in Greek. Okay, Now, when you translate from one language to another, there, there are different words, there's that word again, there are different words that you can use to translate. Okay, So, here in John chapter 1, verse 1, the word, word, in Greek, is logos. And the word logos can be translated, as I mentioned a moment ago, in a variety of different ways. One of the ways you can trans, uh, translate the word logos is with the word plan. Now, let's go back to John chapter 1, verse 1, and substitute the word plan in there. What would it sound like? In the beginning was the plan. And the plan was with God. And the plan was God. that give you a different perspective? In the beginning. So what basically what John chapter 1 verse 1 is saying is that in the beginning, God's, pl- God's plan has been there all along, right? All along, the plan, even before the world existed, the plan existed. And the plan actually has a name. And in order to drive home that point, jump down to verse 14. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the word, or the plan, became flesh and dwelled among us. So, the plan, or the word, that, be- that was a plan that that became flesh and dwelt. What was the plan that became flesh? What was his name? Jesus. Amen. <laughs> See, do you remember earlier when I said, if, pay attention to the children and you'll get it? <laughs> I planted that, but I planned that one too. <laughs> Some of you are sitting back going, Craig, I get it. This, what, this is so. Silly, why are you spending so much time talking about it? Everybody knows this. Not everybody knows this. Not everybody knows that this word is actually God's plan. And the plan has a name, and his name is Jesus. Not everybody knows that. You know that because you're church people. Some of you. But some of you are here today, and you're not church people, and you didn't know that. And I thank you, the rest of you, for being patient with people like me who don't understand that. 
In fact, I would go so far as to suggest that those of you that are church people that have been going to church your whole life, and this is so easy and simple, and why are you wasting my time? Maybe you ought to take a little time and remember. So what do we got here? We've got this, this plan that is, that is so obvious, but sometimes it's so obvious that we we, we haven't taken the time to connect the dots. So let me point the dots out to you one more time. The first dot is this thing intimidates most of us. That's simply the truth. And if you're sitting next to somebody who doesn't intimidate me, they're lying because it's intimidating. It is. You sometimes sit back and go, I don't even know where to start. So we have this thing called the Word, which is God's plan, which we know can sometimes feel so intimidating and daunting. We know that it's God's Word and God's plan that's been there from the very beginning. And we know that, this, that God's Word and God's plan that's been there from the very beginning actually became flesh and dwelt among us. And what we know is that this plan that was there from the very beginning that became flesh is the answer to every single, listen to me, because I'm not exaggerating, this word, this plan that became flesh is the answer to every single problem that humanity has and will ever face. Somebody say amen. That's so simple, isn't it? It's like simple, authentic Jesus. Now, I know it's not that simple. I do. But when you choose to start looking at it from a a different perspective, you begin to see it's far more simple than what you may have perceived even before you came today. Earlier, I shared with you that analogy that I shared with my dad, right? about how sometimes reading the Bible can be like looking at the circus parade by through a knothole. And it's only when you look at it from a different perspective that you start to gain a better understanding. You see, when you look through the knothole and and all you're seeing is some big gray amorphous blob, you think, well, what is that? And then you look over the fence and you realize it's just an elephant. The thing that seems so mysterious and so not understandable is understandable if you look at it from a different perspective. And that, as I mentioned earlier, is exactly what we're going to be doing these next um, six weeks. And I promise it's not going to be as simplistic in the next six weeks as I just made it for you today. So please come back, okay? Um, but there are a lot of different ways that we will be exploring this thing. Um, for the next six weeks, Pastor Billy and I will be preaching. There, there are going to be six different ways in which the study of this, uh, or the author of this study, Seamless, has broken it down. And we're going to preach on a different section each week, which means 
that even if you do nothing more than come to church on Sunday morning, you will have a better and a different perspective than you had if you didn't come. So just coming to church for the next six weeks is going to help you to better understand this than you ever did before. Okay, But there's more to the plan than just coming to church. There always is. The next part of the plan is that there is a study guide that we've made available to anybody that wants it. They're back on, on the back tables. I think there's a few copies let on all three of the tables. Okay, And you can use those study guides. Just pick one up, take it home with you. Use those study guides as, your, um, as part of your daily devotions for the next six weeks. Now, this is what I want you to do. I think this is going to work for everybody. When you pick up your study guide, if you decide you want to use a study guide, I want you to start, if you haven't already, I want you to start day one tomorrow, all right? So if you pick up a study guide and you, use, you start with day one tomorrow, when you come to church next week, and I'll be preaching on the first section, which is entitled The Beginnings, you will have done the, the daily devotions that will make next week's sermon make that much more sense different perspective okay so pick up a study guide dudes at the daily devotion i'm guessing each day will take you somewhere between 10 15 minutes depends on how fast you read and right for those of you who have done it probably about that the other way there's a there's a third way that you can participate if you choose to the third way you can participate in is that we've got as we've been saying we're going to be having these um these small groups um, all throughout the week at different times. And we did them in such a way so that anybody that wants to, we hoped anyway, that anybody that wants to be a part of a small group and participate in the discussions would be able to do so. Um, so you will have studied um, the, the study starting tomorrow to prepare you for the sermon that will be next week. And then when the study, whenever the week is, or the your study is meeting next week after that, you'll have everything that you need for the discussion. So listen to the sermons, do your daily devotions with the study, and be a part of a small group if you're willing. And some of you are going, wow, that's a lot. If that's the way you feel, don't worry about it. Because one of the biggest problems we have with this thing is that when we feel overwhelmed, we just give up. So I wasn't kidding when I said, enter into the waters to the degree and to the extent that you can. And when we're done with this, you will have a better understanding of God's plan than you ever did before. Now, one last thing that I want to say. Accumulating a whole lot of Bible study is a good thing. But it means very little unless you have a relationship with Jesus. Listen to me now. If you haven't listened to anything else I've said today, the foundation that must be laid for this to make any sense at all is that you must accept Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. Going to church doesn't cut it. Studying your Bible doesn't cut it. That's like building a house on shifting sands. It's like first time something big in your life comes along and it's going to blow you over. So don't do that. You've got to have the foundation of Jesus Christ as your Lord. 
And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, maybe today is the day that you should. It's not magical. It's a choice. It's deciding that I've made mistakes. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. And guess what? The moment you go to God and you say, I have sinned and I beg your forgiveness, instantaneously he says, it's done. You want to know why he says that it's done? Because it has been done, right? On the cross. The victory has been won. The forgiveness has been provided. And you're like, why? You don't know this. You don't know the stuff I've done. God knows the stuff you've done. And everything was was paid for on the cross. You are forgiven, and all you have to do is receive the forgiveness. And then the next step is to invite him into your heart to be your Lord. Now, that's very simple. Nothing that I have described today is very easy. But that's the way it starts. Now, if you, if you would like me to pray that prayer with you, if you're, not, if you're not comfortable doing it by yourself, I'll be right over there in the prayer room as the band comes up to lead us in our final song. If anybody that would like to pray that prayer of salvation, I will be over there in the prayer room. For there's anybody that has other needs today that's going on in your life and you would like your pastor to pray with you, it would be my privilege to pray with whoever needs a prayer like that. I'll be right over there.